0: Ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Wheaton Precious Metals 2021 second quarter results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, then the number two. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded on Friday, August 13th, 2021 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I'd now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Patrick Druin, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, Operator. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for participating in today's call. I'm joined today by Randy Smallwood, Wheaton Precious Metals President and Chief Executive Officer, Gary Brown, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Hazem Holley, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development. Please note that for those not currently on the webcast, the slide presentation accompanying this conference call is available in PDF format on the presentations page of Wheaton Precious Metals website. I'd like to bring to your attention that some of the commentary on today's call may contain forward-looking statements, and I would direct everyone to slide uh, two to review of this presentation to review the important cautionary notes regarding forward-looking statements. It should be noted that all figures referred to on today's call are in U.S. dollars, unless otherwise noted. In addition, reference to Wheaton or Wheaton Precious Metals on this call include Wheaton Precious Metals Corp and or its wholly owned subsidiaries as applicable. Now, I'd like to turn the call over to Randy Smallwood, our President and Chief Executive Officer.
2: Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today to discuss Wheaton's second quarter results of 2021. I do hope everyone has been keeping healthy and safe since our last quarterly conference call. I am pleased to announce that our record sales volumes in the first half of 2021 have resulted in both record revenue and cash flow. This solid performance reflects the underlying strength of our diversified high-quality portfolio and has resulted in a 50% increase to the quarterly dividend relative to the second quarter of 2020 marking the fourth quarterly dividend increase in a row. We continued to execute on our growth strategy, closing the previously announced stream on the Eris Gold or owned by Marmato Mine, or, or, or sorry, owned Marmato Mine, located in Colombia, and the Capstone-owned Santo Domingo Project, located in Chile. In addition, subsequent to the quarter, we signed a non-binding term sheet with Rio 2 to enter into a new stream on the Phoenix Gold project located in Chile. Haytham will provide details on this most (coughs) recent transaction later in this call. Our organic growth profile continues to advance, with first production from the Papacancha deposit at Hadbe's Constantia mine in the second quarter, and at Valle's Voices Bay operation, the commencement of the transition from open pit to underground mining. I am pleased to announce that in May, Wheaton published its second annual sustainability report highlighting our strong ESG performance which continues to be recognized with sector leading scores from external rating agencies. The report looks back at a year where the COVID-19 pandemic significantly impacted lives and communities globally and reinforced the need for all stakeholders to work together to make a positive contribution. Recognizing this need, we launched a $5 million community support and response fund, more than doubling the budget for our existing community reinvestment programs. The fund was designed to meet the immediate needs of communities that are directly influenced by the mines on which we have precious metal streaming agreements. And Wheaton continues to work with our mining partners and nonprofit organizations to identify where funds could make the greatest impact and alleviate pressures resulting from this pandemic. Details on the specific initiatives supported by this fund are outlined in the sustainability report, which, if you haven't done so already, I highly encourage you to download from our website. I would now like to turn the call over to Gary Brown, our Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, who will provide more details on our results. Gary.
3: Thank you, Randy, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. The company's precious metal interests produced 194,100 gold-equivalent ounces in the second quarter of 2021, comprised of 90,300 ounces of gold, 6.7 million ounces of silver, 5,300 ounces of palladium, and 380,000 pounds of cobalt. Relative to the second quarter of the prior year, this represented an increase of 32 percent on a gold-equivalent basis. With the prior year's production being affected by the temporary suspension of operations at six mines from which the company derives precious metal as a result of the COVID 19 pandemic. On a gold equivalent basis, sales volumes were 7% higher, with the changes in PBND tempering the significant increase in production in the most recent quarter. As at June 30, 2021, approximately 138,000 gold-equivalent payable ounces were in PBND, in addition to 134,500 pounds of cobalt, or 1,000 gold-equivalent ounces, with the combined figure of 139,000 gold-equivalent ounces representing approximately 2.2 months of payable production. This is consistent with the average PBND balance of approximately 134,000 gold equivalent ounces over the preceding four quarters. Revenue for the second quarter of 2021 amounted to $330 million, representing a 33% increase relative to Q2 2020, primarily due to a 24% increase in the average realized gold equivalent price, combined with the higher sales volume. Of this revenue, 50% was attributable to gold, 45% to silver, 3% to palladium, and 2% to cobalt. Driven by the increase in commodity prices, gross margin for the second quarter of 2021 increased 46% to $182 million. Cash-based G&A expenses amounted to $17 million in the second quarter of 2021, representing a decrease of $3 million from Q2 2020, primarily due to lower accrued costs associated with performance share units, or PSUs. The company estimates that non-stock-based G&A expenses, which exclude expenses relating to the value of stock options and PSUs, will fall at the higher end of the previously communicated $42 to $45 million range for 2021. Net earnings increased by 57% to $166 million in the second quarter of 2021, compared to $106 million in Q2 2020. Basic adjusted earnings per share increased 65% to $0.36, compared to $0.22 per share in the prior year. Operating cash flow for the second quarter of 2021 amounted to $216 million, or $0.48 per share, compared to $152 million, or $0.34 per share, in the prior year, representing a 42% increase on a per-share basis. Based on the company's dividend policy, the company's board has declared a dividend of $0.15 a share, payable to shareholders of record on August 27, 2021, 50% higher than the dividend declared relative to Q2 2020, and representing the fourth consecutive quarterly increase highlighting the participation that the company's unique dividend policy provides to both production growth and increase in commodity prices. Under the Dividend Reinvestment Plan, the Board has elected to offer shareholders the option of having their dividends reinvested in newly issued common shares of the company at a 1% discount to market. During the second quarter of 2021, the company made dividend payments relative to the prior two quarters, totaling $104 million made $64 million in upfront payments relative to the Marmato and Santo Domingo PMPAs, and acquired $2 million of long-term equity investments. Overall, net cash inflows amounted to $44 million in Q2 2021, resulting in cash and cash equivalents at June 30th of $235 million dollars. Also during the quarter, the term of the company's $2 billion revolving facility was extended by an additional year, with the facility now maturing in June 2026. As at June 30, 2021, the company had over $2.2 billion of immediate liquidity, which when combined with the unaccessed $300 million ATM program and strong forecast operating cash flows, positions the company very well to satisfy its funding commitments and sustain its dividend policy, while at the same time having the flexibility to consummate additional accretive precious metal purchase agreements. That concludes the financial summary, and with that, I turn the call over to Haytham.
4: Thanks, Gary, and and thank you all for joining us today. By now, you've all had a chance to go through the economics on our our newest stream on Rio 2's Phoenix gold mine in Chile, just northeast of Copiapó. And I can tell you that we're very happy to be a streaming partner on this project, especially with such a proven management team run by Alex Black that has a strong track record of advancing this type of deposit. As you can see on slide 11, we've entered into a small life of mine gold stream, which starts at 6% and then stays there for the majority of the reserve life before dropping to 4% and eventually to 3.5. With an 18% production payment that increases to 22%, the upfront deposit is reduced to zero. The total stream deposit is 50 million payable in two installments of 25 million each, one payable on closing, and another one once the EIA is received, which is the primary hurdle in Chile, Um, as well as funding being in place, et cetera. It's a fairly simple 20,000 ton a day heap leach project, which has the potential to expand to a much larger heap leach over time. The original study by the previous owner was for a project that was four times this size. So, So although there's no current plan to ramp up to this, we do see potential for some future expansion. If everything keeps moving forward at the planned pace, this asset could be contributing ounces to Wheaton as early as the end of next year. In summary, this project is a long-life asset with potential for expansions, improvement in recoveries, it results in near-term production and is accretive to Wheaton on all metrics. We're very excited to be working with this management team and look forward to helping them advance this asset and their company. (coughs) I can also take a minute to update you on the streaming opportunity landscape. We're seeing lots of new precious metal streaming opportunities, the majority still falling into the 100 to 300 million dollar range, primarily development stage opportunities with precious metals as a byproduct, which is obviously where streaming works best. We're also seeing streaming being considered to fund expansions and for M&A opportunities, which is a little bit new. Not much these days in the way of balance sheet repair, but that's expected in strong commodity price environments. We're very optimistic that we can continue to deploy our cash to accretively add quality streams in the current environment and we'll continue to look at streams of all sizes, but our focus will, as always, remain on quality. Over to you, Randy.
5: Thank you, Hatham. As a result
2: of strong production in the first half of the year, we are pleased to reiterate our full-year production guidance. For 2021, Wheaton's estimated attributable production is forecast to range between 370 to 400,000 ounces of gold, 22.5 to 24 million ounces of silver, and 40 to 45,000 gold equivalent ounces of other metals, being cobalt and palladium. With half of 2021 now behind us, we now expect to finish the year towards the high end of our guided range for silver and towards the lower end of our guided range for gold. On a gold equivalent basis, we anticipate closing the year well within the guided range of 720 to 780,000 gold equivalent ounces, previously announced back in February. As our strong development pipeline continues to deliver organic growth, I would like to highlight a few assets to watch for in, this, in the coming months. At Salobo, Vale has reported that physical completion of the Salobo three expansion was at 77% at the end of the second quarter and is on track for a startup in the second half of 2022. As I mentioned at the beginning of the call, in April, Hud Bay achieved commercial production from the Papacancia deposit, which has gold grades that are significantly higher than the main Constancia pit. As these, gra- uh, as these higher grades enter the mine plan, Papacancia is expected to contribute to a significant increase in gold production at Constancia through 2025. And lastly, in June, Valle achieved a significant milestone when first ore was produced from the Reed Brook Underground Mine at Voises Bay which we consider to be one of the most sustainable sources of cobalt in the world. Physical completion of the underground mine extension was at 66% at the end of the second quarter, and the Eastern Deep's underground mine is expected to start up in 2022. So in summary, Wheaton recorded a strong second quarter, distinguished by several key highlights. We achieved record revenue and declared a record quarterly dividend which was the fourth consecutive dividend increase in a row. Our commitment to accretive growth was emphasized by the closing of new streams on the Eris Gold-owned Marmato mine located in Colombia and the Santo Domingo project located in Chile, where we are pleased to once again be working with our partner Capstone. In addition, subsequent to the quarter, we signed a non-binding term sheet with Rio 2 to enter into a new stream on the Phoenix Gold project located in Chile, a strong development project which we look forward to welcoming into our portfolio of high quality assets. Our organic growth pipeline remains robust with Wheaton receiving inaugural ounces from the Papacancha deposit at Constancia and cobalt production from the underground extension at Boises Bay. In the quarter, Wheaton published its annual sustainability report highlighting our strong ESG performance and we are honoured to be recognised by external rating agencies for our performance in this area with sector-leading scores. Lastly, we believe our portfolio continues to deliver ample opportunity for organic growth, the benefit of which we expect to see from assets such as Salobo, Voices Bay, and Constantia in in the coming months. So with that, I would like to open up the call for questions, please. Operator?
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now conduct the question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, then the number two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. There will be a brief pause while we compile the Q&A roster.
5: At Parker,
0: our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Your first question comes from Tyler Langton with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead.
2: Good morning, uh Randy and team. Thanks for taking my question. Um just to start on I guess a I think you know Q production was, you know, Im- improved over Q one levels, but I think you know, sort of still impacted by some of the the mine maintenance changes. I guess should this largely be behind the company in Q three or just, or just how do you kind of see, you know, kind of production for the the second half of the year? Yeah, it's, uh, as mentioned, it's related to some of the changes in the maintenance. Uh, you know, again, uh, um, trying to improve overall uh, um, uh, maintenance practices down there, mainly from a safety perspective. So, fully supportive of everything that Vale is doing. Um, you know, we do expect that uh, transition through the third quarter. Uh, we're hopeful that by the end of the third quarter, we should back up, be back up to, to the normal running rates. But we do expect a bit of an impact still here in the third quarter. Okay, great. And then just. Um in terms of the the dividend and the uh, the thirty percent payout ratio, any sense in terms of you know sort of thoughts like around potentially sort of increasing that you know sort of you know ratio of sort of in the the near to medium term? Yeah, Tyler, um, it all comes down to how effective we are at putting money back into the ground. We've you know we're obviously generating very strong cash flows. Uh, Haytham and his team have continued to to keep a good strong list of opportunities in front of us, and so closing those transactions. Uh, if, if we wind up with what I would call an effective balance sheet, which means not having a lot of cash on hand, uh, then uh, you know, the chances are not raising the dividend. But if we start building up a bit of a cash balance, if we start getting too much to the positive on that side, uh, then we'll definitely be considering uh, that dividend going from 30% up to 40 or 50. Uh, you know, it, that, that will come at some time. It's just a matter of uh, timing and, and what other opportunities we have to, to put our capital to work back into the ground. Um, you know, our objective is always to sort of add good quality ounces in the ground for the future. Great. Thanks so much.
5: Thank you, Tyler.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. Your next question comes from Panit Singh with IA Capital. Please go ahead.
5: Hi, good
1: morning. Uh, good to see the deal on Phoenix. Can you take us through some of the upside on that asset, maybe the exploration potential that drew you to it, and how you think it'll grow? Because the initial mine plan looks, as you mentioned at the top, like it can get bigger. If you take a look at that big oxide resource. Thanks.
2: Uh, sure thing, Kenny. Hey, Sam, I'll let you uh, take that one and run on with it.
5: Sure. Thanks, Randy. Um- Thanks for the question. I can tell you that
4: you know what we're more excited about right now is not so much the exploration upside. This thing currently has about 14 years of proven and probable reserves, and a similar yeah. amount of years in the M and I resources. So there won't be a lot of focus on on exploration drilling. Uh, the potential is going to be on further expansions. It's going to be on improvements and recoveries. Uh, you know, it's going to be on uh, on continuing to to optimize the circuit. So it's you know from from that perspective, it's uh, a project that has the potential to contribute right now about four to five thousand ounces a year. But you know uh, over time, I think this could double, triple, or even quadruple, depending you know depending on how much success they have.
1: Okay, that's that's good to hear. And then uh, just Valley and Colobo, um, there's a little bit of delay in the startup. It looks like from the first half of next year to the second half. Uh Valley's release didn't have much to go on. Is there any more color you can provide on that?
2: Uh well I can I can just say that you know some of the challenges that that, that Valley has had at Solobo in terms of managing the risk from uh from the pandemic you know has had an impact. They've they've had to ship out non essential staff and, and sort of limit uh you know people on site as as part of their risk management system down there. And and we, you know, we, we kind of expected. In fact, you know, we were surprised that up until now it hadn't resulted in much of a delay. But, uh, you know, th- that is going to have a bit of an impact. And I think that's really you know, where I would point the finger to on, on 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 the timing of that completion of of Slobo 3 is is mainly related to some of the challenges they've had in terms of having staff on to, you know, uh, limiting staff on site and in, in terms of uh, uh, moving that forward. And so, so you know, um it's it's still well on track. They're still moving forward. They uh you know they did focus on critical path to try and keep it going on online, but uh sure enough it, it it's had a bit of an impact. It's gone from the first half, as you mentioned, first half of next year to the second half of next year.
0: Okay. Thanks, Randy.
5: Thank you, Pernine.
0: Your next question comes from Trevor Turnbull with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead.
6: Yeah, thanks Randy. Uh I just wondered if if you guys could comment a little bit on what happened back uh, in June where some of the uh, finance ministers had talked about really moving ahead on something like a global minimum tax. And I just wondered how you guys are are thinking about that in the event that it does get implemented uh, and, and if there's any changes you would envision with respect to how you do business.
2: Well, it's um, you know it's it's an interesting topic. Uh, you know, I, I would sort of. I mean, I, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is probably uh, you know there's a number of hurdles that would have to be overcome. And, and you know, it's 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 good to listen to the most developed countries in the world, the G7, talk about implementing this. But you know, the OECD is made up of another 132 countries outside of the G7, and uh, you would have to get alignment uh, amongst that that number. And uh, um, you know um I, I just you know find that probably the, one of the biggest hurdles in terms of going forward with that and we've already seen uh, a number of countries uh you know step up and say that they're they're not supportive of moving forward with something like that and and then others say that the that you know they would expect compensation for uh having to give up some of that freedom that each of these countries uh, currently has and so so you know i just think there's going to be a number of hurdles in terms of moving that forward um you know, obviously uh, anything that happens would be uh, across industry uh, and not even across industry, across all industries. And so it would be a, you know, a uniform impact on, on, on all companies. There, there has been some discussions about some exclusions for resource focused country uh, companies or re- resource focused businesses and also transportation uh, businesses. And so there's just so many variables at play that it's really tough to sort of quantify this. Uh, you know, what I, what I will Confirm, of course, and it doesn't take uh, doesn 't take me to to highlight this is that you know we 're seeing this all around the world it's one of the reasons that we 're so bullish on precious metal prices is that uh, countries around the world are all scrambling to try and find revenue to try and not not balance the uh, the books <laughs> they 've given up on trying to do that they're just trying to minimize or lessen the amount of uh, negative, um, um, uh, there is on, on their balance sheets, uh, you know, as, as a country goes. And so, so, you know, this is, this is all pressures related to, you know, I would say fiscal mismanagement all the way around, which makes me even feel more bullish about precious metals as a, as a, as, a, as an investment medium. And so, you know, I, it's, it's something that we're seeing uh, around the world. We're seeing it, uh, you know, locally in, in certain jurisdictions. And, and of course we're hearing it at the G7 level and, uh, there's a lot of uh there's a long way to go before I think we'll see anything concrete out of this.
6: Yeah, no, I appreciate that and and we're talking we're talking about significant uh, hurdles whenever you're trying to get alignment with with numerous groups and and obviously there's a lot of hypotheticals uh that would come into play which makes this a very difficult kind of discussion to quantify. Uh we do get a lot of questions on it and I guess the only other follow-up i might have is that you know in the event it does manage to to go through uh in a way that looks like it would impact wheaton um do you have any sort of tax shields that that you could use in a situation like this or or would you be somewhat nakedly exposed uh to this type of kind of overarching minimum tax
2: well it's uh without any type of you know framework in terms of what would actually be coming in it's really tough to comment on something like that um you know there's just so many variables that can come into play um you know i i have you know we're a responsible company when it comes to paying taxes we pay the appropriate taxes required taxes everywhere and 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 do that support and that provide. so i you know um i can just say it's, it's really tough to comment on that without some type of a, a framework as to what we what we'd be expecting and so um, all I can tell you is that, um, you know, we're a company that that focuses on making sure that we uh, deliver the best we can to all of our stakeholders. And so uh, whatever comes out of this, uh, I assure you, we will be uh, doing the best we can to manage that.
6: Okay. I appreciate that, Randy. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from Jackie Krudelowski with BMO. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks very much. I just want to follow up on the question. I mean, sort of asked what I was going to ask already, but just to follow up on Phoenix, um, you said, um, in response to his question, you said that there's a potential to double or maybe triple the uh, production volumes coming out of Phoenix. Um, do you guys have any sense or can you give us any kind of guidance in terms of like what the, what the timing would look like uh, when um when rio two is is maybe planning on doing at least uh, uh early level studies on that uh expansion just just to give us a sense of like you know uh when we should be watching for that thanks Aethem, I'll let you take that one on
4: sure thanks Randy. and, and good morning jackie uh, just just to answer the question so Rio two right now is only planning on building a twenty thousand ton a day operation a heat bleach operation. The previous owner had it scaled up to eighty thousand tons a day obviously that was uh back in about 2013, 14 much lower commodity prices, so there's definitely the potential for expansions. Rio2 is not out there saying that they're going to expand, but I can tell you just looking at the project, assuming that uh, they're successful in ramping this up by the fourth quarter of next year, I think it's something they have to consider over the next, I would say, five years to expand to double and, and continue on. But again, we're not, I'm not speaking on behalf of Rio. This is what we believe at Wheaton. We think it's, it's got very strong scalability.
5: That's, that's really helpful, color. Thanks very much, Hatham. I, I was spending time looking through their technical reports last night, <laughs> and I didn't see that. So thank you very much for, uh, for the context. It's helpful. Uh, that's, that's it for me. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, sure.: Thanks, Jackie. And thank you, everyone, for, uh, th- for dialing in today. In closing, we believe Wheaton is very well positioned to continue delivering value to all of our stakeholders for a number of different reasons. Firstly, by having low and predictable costs. which, which when coupled with leverage to increasing commodity prices, result in some of the highest margins in the entire precious metal space. Secondly, by offering our shareholders exposure to some of the highest quality mines in the world through our portfolio of long-life, low-cost assets. Thirdly, by returning value to shareholders through our unique flow-linked Dividend Policy, which most recently allowed us to declare another record quarterly dividend. And lastly, by being a leader amongst precious metal streamers in sustainability and by supporting our partners in the communities in, and the communities in which we live and operate. So to close out, I'd like to invite you to save the date for our upcoming Investor Day, which will be held virtually on September the 22nd. During this event, we will have members of our executive team providing updates on their respective areas of expertise, and in addition to technical presentations from a few of our partners. I look forward to providing a full-time update at that time. Until then, stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day